trying to make it right These people won't let me go I'm just trying to live my life I just need space to grow I'm just trying to make it right These people won't let me go Let me grow, let me go Let me grow, let me go They should know, they should know They should know, they should know I'm just trying to live my life I just need space to grow I'm just trying to make it right These people won't let me go Welcome to The Tea with Brie. I'm your host, Brie. Thanks for listening. The Tea with Brie podcast is focused on deep, honest, and vulnerable conversation. Each week, I sit down with a different guest in order to have those conversations. Every week, we'll start with my guest's bio and intro to how we know each other, and then we'll go into a deep dive conversation about whatever topic they brought to me that week. This week, I am joined by my guest, Bradley Eckerson. Bradley, who uses he, him pronouns, lives in New York, New York, and currently serves as a substitute teacher and athletics coach at the Packer Collegiate Institute in Brooklyn, New York, as well as club director for the Brooklyn Italian Soccer Club. His big, hairy, audacious goal is to remove the financial barriers to participation in sports, and as such, started his own soccer club called Roosevelt Island United that is 100% funded by donations. No family or player is turned away if they are unable to afford the cost to participate. Bradley holds a Bachelor's of Arts degree in International Studies, French and African Studies from Willamette University. Bradley will also be pursuing his Master's in the Teaching of Social Studies in the fall and was accepted into Teachers College at Columbia University. Hello, pal. What's up? How are you doing? Well, I'm great now. Uh, I'm so excited to talk to you. This is a beautiful way to spend spend a morning. I'm so excited. Saturday morning. You just got back into the country from Italia. <laughs> yeah, I'm bougie. I don't know if you knew that. Listen, I'm bougie. I really appreciate the fact that you were sending me photos of food, which is all I ever want to see. I'm like, send me photos of like sunsets, food, buildings, and just like really like extensive cocktails. Or like that's I mean, like I will do that on a daily basis. Thank I really you. could. <laughs> I mean, you do, you do live in New York, which I heard is great sometimes. So sometimes. Sometimes you know my feelings. I do. I do. I just can't take the subway. I can't do it. Like I would literally just walk everywhere or take a cab. Like the amount of anxiety I think about taking the subway and getting lost in the letters. I'm like, who thought of this? This is not for me. Hey, and it's not for everyone, but I practically live on the subway, so I do love it. I just love the fact that like I can go on a daily basis to like south brooklyn and then all the way to like you know and which is a one part of the city which has its own vibe and then take the subway don't even need to get in a car take the subway go to jackson heights queens which like is like the most diverse part of queens ever and literally every different street has bunches of great restaurants from all over the world and it's got it's also its own vibe and then you realize yeah I just took like two trains to get there I think that's amazing but you know one person's anxiety is another person's pleasure so so the thing is I hate driving like I love taking the train above ground I think it's the fact of like going underground having no cell service getting lost like it's that whole thing I was like you'd get used to it I'm like so I don't know. We'll see. We'll see where life takes me. I'm also you just like, okay. Um, I was thinking about how we met, and it's funny because we only met a month ago. Like if you only a that, month ago. 
literally only a month ago and i was like i like a month ago to, love like you. today today almost today almost yeah. today um yeah no we we instantly became friends uh, we met through our friend charlie who has not been on the show which that is shade to charlie um shade. so charlie introduced us <laughs> Um, cause Brad was in town. They went to a wedding together. Um, and then they came to my South by speech that I did the day after. And we just instantly, oh, were you a, like, a South by speaker? Oh yeah. You, I'm sorry. I don't were know you if a you, South by speaker. I don't know if you guys know. Um, yeah, I was a South by Southwest wellness panelist this year, which was really fun. Um, and then I also just got to go to South by, which now that I'm, now that I'm 32 and I think about like, I used to just like go days on end, like, <laughs> I like Gaga party club, another club bus. And I'm like, I brushed my teeth and I made breakfast today. I'm like, I'm already you're <laughs> that's, winning. That's the whole day. Like you are winning. Yeah. If anything else that happens. Yeah. You're just like, I've already had a day. Yeah. I'm like, now you know, I worked out. I got my 30 minutes and I took a shower and made a breakfast. I'm like, mm, that's really I've done it. <laughs> so what else do you need to do? Truly. Um, so, yeah, but it was just yeah south by was fun it was just a lot for me and that was my first time like ever going and then also being a panelist so um but i'm excited to chat with you today because the topic you picked is just chef kiss um talking about emotional intelligence and i was just telling you i just binge watched in like less than a day all 10 episodes of ultimatum on netflix which will also be an episode my friends and i are going to have a podcast recording and talk about the whole show and talk about ultimatum yeah so i I definitely need to watch this show now can't wait oh my god i can't wait um but for those of you who did watch it already i (laughs) wrote notes on my phone and then would post them to my story so i was like i want to know what your thoughts are so those all live on my instagram now um but after watching that show and like as a person who started therapy when she was 15 years old and has like is just very self-aware and I just got a new therapist this week after like I've been having a really tough mental health month shout out to Katie we had our first session on Tuesday um but yeah just talking about like emotional intelligence and specifically emotional intelligence in men and I was like I'm ready like let's just sit down so what made you like pick this topic how do you want to like start I love (laughs) As y'all know, the show is unscripted, but I send run of show notes and Brad created like a whole like act one through four <laughs> stuff he wants to cover. So I'm going to let you, I'm going to let you take it away with like, what is emotional intelligence? Let's start with act one. Act one. What is, yeah. So I'll like, what the disclaimer, I'm not like a, a professional in this. Like I don't do research on this. This is all just anecdotal lived experience and why I thought we should talk about this is a because I as I was telling you I was like I feel like you kind of start to talk about it in every interview I've heard you're like Mm -hmm. it kind of comes up like a little bit and I could I can always hear it in your voice that I'm like oh no we need she just needs to get unleashed into this and so I was like no (laughs) we got to do this and as somebody I uh what what uh, we, uh, we can use uh, adult language. We cannot use adult language. Oh, yeah. I swear like I'm from the Northeast. I swear like a freaking sailor. Okay. Just, make, just making sure. Just making sure. There's an E for explicit for a reason, people. Yeah. yeah. No, you're good. Um, so as somebody who identifies as a recovered fuck boy, I'm like, I feel <laughs> like, yeah. I'm I know. making a note. <laughs> you should. You should, as you should. I just always 
think that this is such a great topic and one that I had to go through myself and still I'm going through, but you know, I came out, I came out the other end and I just had to go through this. And I'm like, I think, especially as a cisgendered white male, I'm only speaking from that experience, right? I don't know if it's different for, you know, other kinds of relationships. I'm just speaking from, from this end, like, I just see this men and I'll just, I'm not even going to say men. I'm going to qualify them as boys. I see these boys, no matter how old they are, right? Mm -hmm. Boy, I'm not saying a boy is a certain age. I'm saying there's an emotional age and they make the same gosh darn mistakes. And I'm just like, what? And I want to scream. And then I'm like, right, I was you. (laughs) And so I think there's like an appropriate way to discuss this. So that's how we got here. That was my long winded way of saying I am on a journey personally to help boys Mm -hmm. figure their fucking shit out and stop being assholes all the time in every aspect of their life. Okay. I have lots to say in response to this. Please go for it. Rip me a new one. No, 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 no. We're we're fine. I'm not, you know, we're fine. (laughs) This this personal journey that you're on as a, as you say, a recovered fuck boy and as a recovered fuck boy who dates cisgender women, like as your qualifiers here in your notes. And I'm just thinking about like the way, even just like the, the using of the word boy, when we are talking about full ass grown up people, like once you were 18, you were technically a grown up. Right. And and not to get political but like even how we see like the treatment of specifically white men and like how we still categorize them as boys when they make mistakes it's like the childification of them when they make decisions that would like sort of allow for forgiveness easier and I'm like no own your shit (laughs) like you can't say like I'm a boy and I'm like no you're a grown-up like you are legally responsible for yourself like so that's just a thing that popped into my head. But I also think about like how as a cis woman who dates all genders, but has mostly in, in the time I've lived in Austin, I've only dated queer people. Um, but when I was home and for a little bit of background, like I was a virgin until I was 22 by choice. Like I was just like, first of all, I don't trust any of you idiots <laughs> to sleep with me. Um, but then two, like just being really one good at boundaries, but two, just being literally so fucking busy. Like, you know me now and I'm busy. Imagine me when I was younger and just like do shit all the time and like played sports, did mock trial, was part of the yearbook, student government. Like I was just always super. Also went to school. Also went to school, (laughs) like, you know, and it it started really early. Like as an only child, I had parents who were just like, just try everything. Like my parents, my mom was one of five. My dad's one of three. Like, listen, you're an only child. Try everything. And so being able to try so many things and and now having met so many people in my life and again, starting therapy at 15 and becoming very self-aware. And, you know, I've talked about on the show too, like in 2020 before air quotes before the pandemic started, like I had made the choice at the end of 2019 that I wasn't going to date in 2020 because of realizing that like I was dating out of fear. Like I was like, I'm about to turn 30. <laughs> Looking back now, I was like, I have nothing to show for my life. I'm 29 and single. And I'm like, 
now I'm like, bitch, shut up. But yeah, seriously. At the, <laughs> at the time, I was like, I'm 29. I'm single. I've never been in a relationship longer than three months. And it's like, you know, I'm about to turn 30. And there's just like all these plans that you had for your life when you're younger of getting older and, you know, taking the time in 2019 to recalibrate my emotional intelligence of like, why had I been dating so badly? And like the last few people I dated were fine people. Like I had been friends with them both. One of the first, the guy I was dating, we just like, he and I are still like working on a friendship and I think he's great. I just don't think we're meant for each other. Like he's definitely someone I still want in my life, but we're five or six years apart. We're just very in different places. I, of have, our I life. have thoughts on that as well too. We'll circle back. <laughs> Take a note. We'll, we'll circle back. Um, and, and then also like before we, I'll talk about that, but like another thing about my emotional intelligence, which I guess I can plug now is like, I realized like, even before I dated him and this other person that I would date people who I knew were emotionally unavailable for an easy out. So we'll mm-hmm. circle back to that. So yeah. I date these two people. We end up, I end up breaking up with them. Not the same time, by the way, I dated them separately, but this was in 2019, 2019. Yeah. 2019. One was in like the summer fall and then the other one was like just for the month of December. Um, and then like I got, I was really hurt. I had hurt people and I was like, I'm just going to like take 2020 to not date. And took the whole year and then also like being in the pandemic and living alone for like the first half of the year of just spending a lot of time alone and asking myself very difficult questions. And so like, you know, unpacking a lot of stuff like my around childhood trauma and why I date the way I do. And if I want to be a parent, what my non-negotiables are in relationships as I move forward. And so when I hear people who are just like, well, you know, I'm still like growing and learning. I'm like, we're always all growing and learning, but also like, you're now, for example, 32 years old. If you haven't learned anything and grown from anything in 32 years, like I don't understand, like I just don't understand people who don't have emotional intelligence is my whole tangent about it. <laughs> Which is, I think, a fair like qualm to have with, with people. Um, so my first, okay. So anyway, we, we didn't define emotional intelligence, so maybe we should. So yeah. when I think about emotional intelligence and EQ, very simply, it's understanding your own emotions, especially when they come up and not necessarily being like trying to hide them, right? Mm-hmm. Because even negative emotions as people, I think a problem is, is that we are taught and told that we need to suppress those, which is not the right thing to do, obviously, but it's more to just understand, okay, I'm feeling this way, let's say anger, Okay, I'm recognizing that I'm feeling angry and then I can express that in a way that's healthy, not destructive, and then be able to kind of better understand where that comes from and not try to be like make an excuse for that or anything, but just having that at least intelligence of these are my emotions. This is how I'm feeling. I know why I'm feeling this way and I can express it in a way that's healthy and constructive, which uh, on the point of people need to figure it out. Yes, they do. But I think that's very hard to get to that point, honestly, for, for a lot of people and especially for boys, so hard for, for boys, in my opinion, as somebody who was that boy. Yeah. (laughs) That's how I, that's the baseline. I think, I think we, we can define it that way and that'll help. Also such a teacher. You are such a teacher. And I I am, I'm sorry. No, 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 it's not bad. But then like you, but you saying that too, of like when you, that just sparked something in my head of like, also like in the past societally, we haven't given men the space to be emotional. 
and to talk about the emotional intelligence i'm also like okay give a little bit of like leeway brie like you're not a terrible person um yeah but i think i think it's a yes i think it's a yes and right like we are all like you're like we're saying this it's a process to getting to emotional intelligence but also like knowing historically that like men haven't been giving space especially like men of color so i was like okay fine anyway yeah no yeah. I, I mean i 100 100 true i think like when you look at so much of like growth of boys into men like it's a lot of it stems from the fact that we just it's not really welcomed the idea for boys to like have feelings and express those feelings um and I'm not saying that's also not the case for girls but I'm more just speaking about about my my own experience there now the other thing you said which I thought was um uh that 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 put this little seed okay. of thought into uh into my head is you were talking about um like yourself and saying you had hurt people and been hurt by others so you're like I'm just gonna take 2020 off so the thing is is that that shows emotional intelligence like just to be like yeah I'm like not in a place where I feel like I'm ready for this and just recognizing like who cares if I'm 30 or 31 or 32 clearly I'm not in this space yet. So I'm going to pull it back and like go back to square one and not put myself in a spot where I could be hurt or get hurt by somebody else. And then I'll put myself back out there when I'm ready. Like that's emotional. That's like the perfect example of like having a high EQ right there versus, well, I still got to figure it out. I don't know if I'm ready, but I'm going to put myself out there. And in the process, you know, you heard uh you know several people along the way and you know that's just not the right way to go about it so I've given you a little bit of props for like at least recognizing I'm pulling back I'm 100% pulling back thank you I also think it's because like I'm an only child and I feel like that explains a lot um because I'm very much like a solo processor like whenever when I'm upset like I will just sit in a corner and work through it first like I have friends like talk through things in process I'm very much like a take a minute (laughs) take a beat journal about it walk around the block think about it even like if I'm arguing with someone I'm like I need a minute to think like this conversation isn't going to be beneficial to either of us because I'm just like in an emotional place and I need to like walk around and like be in like to get to a minute of conversation and process but I think that's also like What's ha- what has really helped my emotional intelligence of like not only having been in therapy but also like the way I process as an only child and just and having spent like I said I've, I've been single for most of my life I've never had a relationship last longer than three months so I've spent a lot of time being single but also being alone and you know again after after watching ultimatum I'm like oh my god like just thinking about like spending time alone and like, what do you want? And like asking myself really hard questions, being in depth, knowing who I am. I feel like that has also helped my emotional intelligence, like just being able to ask myself the hard questions in order to be a better person to be around. So what do you want? Oh my God. That's a whole nother podcast. Um, (laughs) Cause now it's a snippet. Now that I've gotten older and you know, I've, I have realized I'm like, my non-negotiables aren't drastic and and I think you know people see me and they think like 
the super successful outgoing bubbly person who like hasn't found a match like people like are you super picky I'm like no like I just think people don't know no. yes you are and okay. that's okay you I don't are the thing that's is like okay. I don't I don't know I don't know if picky is the right word I think I'm I think it's a hundred percent the right word I think I'm selective like yeah. I think I think picky for me is like you'll find little things that don't work. Whereas with me being selective, I'm like, there are a lot of things that like I could get past if you line up with things that like really deep sure. matter. The core values, right? Like, right. Like that's what you're saying. Like I want, I want a partner who's going to like both challenge me, support me, call me out, call me in, however you want to look at it. I want a person who's going to be like, I hear you, but then also like, is this you, is this actually a, but you're saying it's B like, I, I want that sort of like, and I, I think, and I always laugh, like people often think that like, we're talking about me and Charlie, like we've been friends for two years, but like, if you see me and Charlie interact with her, like, with each other, like his mom was here for a wedding and she was like, you two like have such an open, honest conversation. And I, and like Charlie and I are, like very touchy people. I'm from the Northeast. I talk with my hands, obviously, obviously. but like, Charlie and I have a very also like physical touch friendship, which I guess his mom wasn't used to seeing. And so I think about that too. Like if I think about all of my friends, which I think is why I also don't feel like I've missed out air quotes and like having a platonic, I mean, a romantic relationship because I have so many good platonic relationships is like, I have friends who challenge support me. Like I I want to be with a partner who is not only, well, the basis is friendship. And I feel like as I've gotten older, that has been such an important thing. So I think, you know, in dating when I was younger, it was like, so flip it. It was like, oh, this person's attractive. They're funny. Well, like the things that like, yeah, like what makes you attractive, but then having watched so many friends navigate relationships because it's like this person checks the the surface level qualifiers versus like the in-depth qualifiers. And so I'm like, I would rather have someone who checks off my in-depth qualifiers than the like superficial things for lack of a better term. And so I'm tangenting, but the things I'm looking for are like, Oh, that's no, it's not tangent. That's what you're like hitting it on the head. You <laughs> so literally I, are. I, I, I want someone where our braces is friendship. Someone who is like, seen me struggle who doesn't put me on a pedestal but also still sees the greatness in me like I have dated people who are only interested in me because of like what I can do for them like I'm a very well connected person I'm super well known in Austin like that's the thing I'm always really hesitant about with humble brag brag. (laughs) um but that's the thing like I'm I come from a very humble family right like so even like you and I were texting earlier before we recorded, like I still, it's still hard for me to take a compliment on any part of my life. Like the way I look, the way I'm, my business is going, like having all my friends, like you're doing great. Like your work is so great. I'm like, Oh my God, thank you. Like, and trying not to dismiss their, their compliment, but then also be like, well, why do I deflect like that? Anyway, but yeah, like there's just, so if I, if I think of what I want in a partner, Someone who is going to call me out, challenge me, support me, think the world of me, but also not put me on a pedestal. I'm like, listen, this broad is still human and she's going to have to work on her shit too. Um, someone I've always seen myself as a mom, but now that I've gotten older and I think about parenthood in a very different way, 
um, of like, I don't feel like I physically have to have a kid to be a mom. So like if I had a partner who already had kids or like we talked about adopting, like, but being a mom is an important thing to me. But I'm also like, if I'm, if I'm just a foster parent and just can impact children that way would be beneficial to me. Um, someone who wants to travel, like, I just feel like life is too short to be in the same place always. Like I have a friend who has never lived outside of the state they live in, who has never like left the country, who has never like gone anywhere. I'm like, life is too short. Like, please just like do things. Um, but then also like someone to laugh with, I don't want to watch TV as a couple. I'm sorry. I'm not doing that. Like that is one of my I binge TV very weirdly. Like I'll watch starter show and then leave it and then come back to it. Like I'm, I just can't watch TV with people. So that's another thing. Like that's something I know about <laughs> myself. Um, but like, I I need someone who has their own group of friends. I need someone who's passionate about something, anything. Like I don't ever want to be your only connection to the outside world. Like do not yeah. have all your hopes and dreams in just me. Cause I can't, I'm not going to do that with you. Like yeah. I, have a really loving supportive family I have great friends I have a great community like I just want my partner to have that too and and knowing and I've talked you know Caitlin Caitlin's on the show before like we've talked about this sort of village mentality of like she just got married to Johnny who I freaking love Um, but I was just listening to a Glennon Doyle podcast episode about people who get married and then have children and how like there's a sort of village mentality around raising children but there also should be a village mentality about people who are in relationships because like as a parent and it, it's, I mean, I'm not a parent, but like as a person who is nanny, like to be able to have nannied and be in community with those parents and help them in that way to help raise their child. And like, I was definitely raised in the community. Like I had a shit ton of aunts and cousins and people in my life. Um, but then also with marriages, like, I think one of the greatest things about my friendship with Caitlin is that like, I obviously love her husband and I think that he's great. And then I also love her and think that she's great. Um, but like to be able to talk through relationships in general, in a way that's like not going to be judgmental. Like I love this person, but also like it's challenging to be in a marriage and it's just the two of you. And so I think that's also been a beautiful thing as me being the always single friend is what I'm going to call myself in this moment. Um, (laughs) professionally single is what I was, what I say, like, I think because I know because I've seen such healthy examples of people in marriages. My godparents have been married for over 30 years and my godmother, Charlene Hampton, shout out to her saying that like being married is choosing your person every day, but also knowing that like you're going to change, your partner is going to change and your relationship in general is going to change. And you are choosing every day to be with those people, be with that person and the situation changing But then also she said to me once when I was dating someone, I probably shouldn't have been dating. She said, just because you love someone doesn't mean you have to be with them. And that really imploded in my brain like two weeks later. (laughs) I was like, I love this person that I'm with, but I also know we don't fit. And so why am I staying with the person like out of fear of being alone and, you know, having dealt with my own abandonment issues from you know, my, not only not only my mom dying, like my dad and I don't have a close relationship. My therapist and I are unpacking my dad's betrayal this week during therapy, which I'm really excited about. Um, but like my dad never came to anything I did. But when he remarried and had and got my stepbrothers, he went to every single sporting thing my stepbrothers did. And so that sort of abandonment of like, 
my own father couldn't show up for me. So how am I supposed to trust someone to love me long-term if my dad didn't show up and my mom died? And so like, yes, like for the first 15 years of my life, I had their relationship to kind of ground me, but then also like, oh shit, like felt complete abandonment at 16. And then also like having watched people navigate divorces, like I have had aunts who who are who got divorced and watching them navigate that even just as a young adult and watching that still be a good cordial relationship. And then I've also had aunts in my life who've chosen to remain single and seeing what that navigation has looked like and they haven't had children. And so, you know, in the full encompassment of my life, I think I know one of my, my traumas and my triggers is to say, if I never find anyone, I'll be okay. But I think it's me mentally preparing myself because I do not believe I'll ever find anyone. And I think that's why I invest so much and friendships. Mm. Mm. Yeah. See, you asked I love the, all that. You asked the I, question. You're right. It's been it's been in there. I love, but I love all of that. Um one, I would say as your friend, especially when dealing with abandonment issues, because I think I did I I have as well a little bit since I grew up. Um, with divorced parents. I don't, I have no memory of my parents ever being together. I'm lucky enough where my father was heavily involved in my life. And that's a hundred percent credit to my mom because she could have absolutely just gotten full custody and said, F off, you know, you Mm -hmm. are going to have nothing to do with my kids anymore. And she had the wherewithal to know that, you know, even though she wasn't with my dad anymore, that he needed to be around and needed to be actively a part of that. So I give her a lot of credit for having that at least knowledge of that. And so I'm, I'm blessed in that way. But I think one thing I had to think about too, when I'm thinking about abandonment, and especially when I was looking at the relationships I was in and how I was kind of treating those is I would run before somebody else had a chance to. Absolutely. And I would find any excuse to, to do that as well. And pick nitpick any little thing and be like, Nope, that's it. I'm bounce now, you know, whatever. And I think the reckoning that I had on that front with, with that issue was thinking about my own abandonment issues and remembering that it was not my fault to quote goodwill hunting, not my fault, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I've got that movie in my head. Cause I just watched it on the plane back and I was like, Oh, still good. Every time Classic. still so good. Um, but And I think that helped just kind of that knowledge of like, okay, it's not my fault and starting to look at it, not as an issue, right? Like, okay, I'm a product of divorced parents, not as an issue, but as an opportunity Mm. more than anything else. And I think that helped me a little bit, like kind of get over it. And I still am going through it like a little bit. I still have those moments where I feel like, you know, I got to, I got to run or I got to bounce or I'm going to put up my fists and like fight and not physically fight but you know to have the 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 verbal fight but I think that's at least help is remembering that it's not my fault it's somebody somebody else's and I don't need that to kind of dictate my life if that makes sense it's something I have to deal with for sure but nothing that should dictate how I I am in relationships and it was for a long time like that was you know I was a I was a complete dick for a lot of my relationships. And part of it was because of, I'm not going to give anybody mm-hmm. the chance to, to leave. I'm no. not going to give anybody that opportunity. 
Yeah, I call them easy outs. Yeah, easy outs. That's great. <laughs> I, I was the queen of easy outs. Um, a couple, I was dating this one girl, the same girl on my godmother said I didn't have to disclose love with me not to be with her. Um, my god sister called me a week later and she was like, why do you date people who are emotionally unavailable? And I was like, bitch, how dare you? Um, <laughs> dare but you tell me, why do you date how people dare you who are emotionally me, How dare you tell me about me? Um, you don't know the, my life. Truly, like you don't, you've known me, you've known me before I've known me, but still get away from me. Um, it was definitely that. It was the, I want a reason to leave. And it was people like I dated the first guy I dated, great person, had known her for years. Um, but I had just come out and like, she was still sort of healing. And she was like, you know, you just came out. I want you to like have this experience. So I was kind of, that was kind of her easy out. And I was like, I, and I was like, yeah, I just came out. Like, why am I settling down already? I'm 26. Um, and then I dated a, a woman who was 11 years older than me, which interesting. Um, and she, and we're just going to leave that thought right there. We're, we're going to leave it right there. Yeah, okay, we'll, we'll right there. We will circle back to it later. <laughs> we're going to parking lot that. take it offline um (laughs) and so she was 11 years older than me we worked together which is already chaos um not in the same building but at the same um in the same department and we had like sort of sort of flirty and hanging out and then you know our our co-workers didn't know but they knew we were friends and they were like yeah i met so-and-so's girlfriend this weekend and i go oh you did and they were like yeah like i don't know so she and I meet up and I and we were hanging out and I go, so you're ever going to tell me you had a girlfriend or and she was like, oh, shit. And she's like, and we went through the whole thing. She's like, you know, we had been talking about being open. And it was more of a conversation. And then like I met you and she knows about you. I was like, well, that's great. But I didn't know about her. Yeah, <laughs> like that was a, a little information you should have bought into this. But, you know, I was 27 and I was like, it was a good, easy out. Like I was like, I can have my emotional and physical needs met from this person and you know my easy out could always be she goes a partner and I don't want to be polyamorous um and then we did end up breaking up when I took a new job but um but yeah I have definitely done easy outs and then the safe space so I I like I said I was a virgin I was 22 and then from 22 to like 25 um your girl was on I'm going to say I had a really healthy hotation. Um, I, you, sorry, you just said healthy hotation. Healthy right? hotation. Uh-huh. Love which that is, which so is, much. Which is, which is from Insecure. I didn't think yeah. of it. Issa Rae, shout out to you, hotation. Um, yeah. So I I was sleeping with dudes, not all at the same time, but like at a couple different guys that like I would hook up with. But my boundary was like, it was so toxic. I was like, you don't call me. I call you. If you see me in public, we do not know each other. You do not ever text me for sex. I text you. And then- uh, wait, wait, there, there's another show that's like that. Uh, it, oh. I think it's on Netflix too. She's dating three dudes at once. What is, what, do you know the show I'm talking about? Mm-mm. Um, Anthony Ramos is in it. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. But anyway, sorry. 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 I love Back him. on track. But Back yes, on track. I'm, um, like, I'm like, you, I need come, to find the show and send it'll it to come you. To, it's fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and that so that was my easy outs of like not giving anyone any space for emotional attachment and just being like this is this is serving me and I can feel something and then I can move on and go. Um and so like now looking back at it, I was like, girl, what? <laughs> and just and now, you know, as you get older, you know, 
it's 2020, but one of the things I think about, and this is your part two of like why nice guys are kind of the worst assholes. And I think about it from a female lens of like how women shrink ourselves to be more palatable and how that's the fucking worst. The absolute worst. Also not attractive either. I know. Like, but like not attractive. But I did it. Like I yeah. did it. Like I, this is another trauma. Um, I did, I was so infatuated with this boy named Calvin. I'm going to call him out. I've done it before on the show. Um, but I was huge. <laughs> As you, and this is a podcast, so nobody could see that. You just like, wiped your brow and going to call him out. Yeah. yeah, wipe my brow real quick Wipes right here. Oh my um, God. <laughs> so I met him when I was 13, 12, 13. Oh, damn. Like first crush, like first, Yo. like deep, deep crush. Um, we were really close friends when ended up going like we went to the same high school, obviously. Um, so my freshman year of high school, and he knew that I liked him, which not and he, but he was a nice guy, air quotes. Mm-hmm. He knew that I liked him. He knew that I would not call him out. My parents loved him, which fucking annoyed me because I was like, don't be nice. Um, but then dated all of my friends and never dated me. And like the amount of trauma that caused, like I am still unpacking Calvin shit and I'm 32 years old and just again, feeling like I'm not good enough, but I'm going to stay tangentially attached to this person because like, I'm like, what if like one, if one day he picks me, and now, like, looking back, I'm like, oh, sweet baby, if I could just go back and, like, hug young me. I'm like, you deserve so much fucking more than a dude who is out here dating all these different girls because he doesn't know who he is and what he wants. I'm also like, we're 14. But also, like. Also, his name is Calvin. Also, his name is Calvin. <laughs> um, he's really cute, though. He's not cute anymore. Shade. But, Shade. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, just, like, thinking about all of that still comes up, too. Of Like, that's definitely, like, an ingrained trauma of, like, already not feeling good enough for my dad right and then this other dude i have feelings for who i'm not good enough for either because he's dating all of my friends who are white thin girls and i'm a curvier black girl and i'm like great like that feeling of like you need to make yourself smaller as in the term of being thinner which is probably why i developed an eating disorder as well but also small in the way of like you don't get to say shit to me because you're going to accept the bare minimum that i give you and i'm like Okay. And so like now, again, having the emotional intelligence of being a grown up and understanding that of like this, the way that nice quote, nice guys who aren't really nice make girls feel like we have to shrink ourselves in order to be good enough. Um, I love all of this. I want to get into talking about. Are you about, taking notes? <laughs> yes. We, well, because otherwise I'm not going to remember. Like, I, no, I love it. Because like, I always take notes. I'm like, I feel like such a nerd. Anyway, go ahead. I, it's okay. We're nerds. <laughs> We're both wearing glasses. It's fine. <laughs> Whatever. Um, I want to get into talking about why I think nice guys are the worst. And I think we can we can uh, unpack that. Okay. But one thing you said that I want to challenge you on is you were talking about your relationships and you're like, okay, I would get my physical needs met from this person, emotional needs met from this person, and then move on. Here's my potentially hot take. Okay. That's not a bad thing. Here's what I, here's what I think is, is bad is okay. like, and we can, and we need to talk about sex and we can, we can talk about sex. I think this is where emotional intelligence is so important. If you know for yourself, you're like, I do not want 
a relationship that is emotional with with somebody like I don't not looking for a partner right now like I just want to go out have fun and I want to have sex there is literally nothing wrong with that and so often especially with boys they think that the only way they can get sex is if by saying all the right things and tying all these women around their finger and then they're going to get laid and that's what they're going to get and then they burn they leave this fucking burnt trail all behind them Mm -hmm. that is the the wrong thing like Mm -hmm. i think a hundred percent and this is what i've told like some people if all you want is to get laid then tell somebody that just be like hey like look you seem cool i'm not interested in like a real relationship i just want to fuck yes you then give agency to that person to say right i am looking for my partner so this isn't going to work and then you guys can both move on and go find Mm -hmm. what you're looking for or they say yes and then you get everybody wins but so often it's the fucking mind game of these boys aren't can't be honest with i just want to get have sex i want to get laid and that's not such a bad thing in my opinion What's bad is the is then playing games and emotionally manipulating people to get what you want. And then and that's how I've seen a lot of relationships, even my own, play out is that's the is that's how you get what you want is by saying the right things and making, in my case, women fall in love with you and then they want to have sex with you, but then you realize you don't really want to be with them. And then you've now emotionally manipulated this person across mm-hmm. an extended period of time. And of course they're going to get hurt and you're going to look like a freaking prick. And you have every, you, me has every reason to look like a prick. Cause that's what you did mm-hmm. instead of just being honest with yourself, which is right. I just, I just want some sex. And I want to take a quick sidebar too. Cause I think that's <clears throat> one of the main reasons why, like, I hate the dating apps. There's a lot to unpack of why I hate the dating apps. One of them is like the intentionality of it. Like, I think because I'm a one, I'm just a very direct person 98% of the time. Um, More like, than 98% of the time. I'm Come on, nine, East Coast. 99.9. 99.9. Yeah. 9. Um, <laughs> but one of the things is like the intentionality. Like, if you just want to sleep with me, just say you want to sleep with me. Like, I, because I'll probably say yes. But it's also just like, <laughs> just be fucking honest, right? Yeah. Like, I'm a grown up. And, and one of the things I've been trying to be really honest about this year is like talking about sex, like, it's still I feel like very taboo to talk about sex. I'm like, listen, we all have sex. We all got here because someone had sex. I know it's really interesting to think about. Most men you talk about are thinking about sex every seven seconds. Like we and don't just, need to hide I, from it. And I think that's why, like, not to be like that girl, like I have so many boyfriends, like guy friends, but it, I like the amount of men, male friends that I have in my life is like, because we have such open, honest conversations, like again, to bring Charlie up again, like Charlie and I don't lie to each other. Like we're just very honest and so when people listen to our shot, they go, holy shit, like you two, like, don't lie. I'm like, no, like, there's just, there's no point. And I try to have that in all of my friendships. I'm just like, I'm not going to sugarcoat things for you. Like, I like direct, honest intentionality and friendship. And I just feel like that when I'm on the apps, that just doesn't happen or like, it's so superficial. And I'm just like, listen, I, another thing about me, and this is my, my call it my Calvin trauma of like, I know I'm attractive. I just don't think the other people find me attractive. And you did text me earlier and said that I'm attractive. And that's not the point of this conversation right now, but (laughs) I, well, you are. Thank you. Um, (laughs) Physically uncomfortable. Um, Except the compliment. I said, thank you. Compliment. (laughs) I said, thank you. Um, And that was not me fishing. I'm literally sweating. Um, 
but like I know I'm attractive I just don't think other people find me attractive and having friends like that that, like that you can't be both make but it is like I think I'm great I just don't know if other people will think I'm great and I think that is directly tied to my trauma of like because again I had to make myself smaller and just bury so much shit in order to like make people like me or make people accept me and just like sort of like just like cocoon myself and like I and I and I still just sound like I have me and I'm okay if I don't have anyone else and that's definitely a trauma response of like if nobody else got me I got me and I've you know been basically on my own since I was 18 years old 17 18 and well back it up my dad started dating like a month after my mom died and so like, okay. that really fucked me up yeah right? that so, would mess up anybody and Yikes. so I'm just like okay like my dad and and being older now like sort of being able to to understand why like they had been together for so long and like my dad didn't know how to be alone and now that I'm older I get it but when I was younger I didn't I'm just like okay well I don't matter to my own father so I only have me and I'm still unpacking this with my family had a whole conversation on it about it like a month ago of like I have just been so cocooned to like survive 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 you have yourself survive and now I'm just like you can let other people in to help you survive um, but I think that that definitely comes from that of like trying to understand other people's intentions and trying to unpack all of that when trying to date around. Yeah. I don't and know I if think, I like you on this episode. Holy shit. <laughs> if you don't, you don't like me on this episode. I do, oh, but no. I don't. It's like, it's, it's, it's interesting to be challenged on my own show and I like it, but go ahead. I'm just, oh. it's just, it's just well, a, hopefully, it's a, hopefully it was a soft challenge, not like a hard challenge. It's, it's, <laughs> it's a, it's a therapy session and I just wasn't prepared today, which is not a bad oh. thing. It's just <laughs> life. Anyway, I cut you off. It's so just fine. life. But also, you know, I just like talking to you. So, (laughs) Um, no, what I was, uh, what I was going to say was that what you were talking about, like this idea of being chosen and what I would say Mm -hmm. to you, like as your friend is like, A, like, what's the best way to say this? It's like, this idea of being chosen is bullshit. That's really what I'm trying to say. Oh, it's like, for sure. yeah. And like, like if somebody, like if you feel like you're having to put on for somebody to then like you or choose you, like, don't do that. <laughs> you are the, you have as much agency and I'm saying you, not as you Brie, but like people in general, like as a person, like if you have to put on a, like you have to think about what to wear to impress this just don't like don't do that you have as much agency in that as possible and also not just romantic relationships but friends like if they aren't gonna accept you for who you are like you're talking about not being good enough like I would just tell you if you think that you have to be good enough for those people you just need to cut those people out Mm. because the real ones romantic platonic those people in your life it's not going to matter to them because they're just going to, it's, I I would call it describing like the energy is just going to match. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's not going to matter anything else you do. It's just like, yep. It's just this, this cohesion. Like I remember that immediately when I met you and then since you've talked about Charlie, same thing. When I met, when I met Charlie, like after the first time I met Charlie, I was like, I came home and I was like, 
this kid is going to be one of my best friends that I've ever had. And I knew it and I immediately knew it. And we were and like the next week, like he came over, made dinner. But like I was it was like a week later, he came over, we made dinner, We like didn't even go out. We like made dinner. Two dudes just made dinner in a kitchen. We had like a great time. I was like, great. This is the start of something phenomenal. And if I was in Austin or you were in New York, I'd be like, all right, cool. We're kicking it. I just, I got, I, one thing I had to learn for myself is just cutting people off. Mm. And like, it, sometimes it was like, cause this is just not a good person, right? Like just cut, snip, snip, snip. But also what I've also come to realize is that there are also like plenty of good people that you also need to snip because if you're putting in more effort than you're receiving back from them, mm. not to make relationships transactional, right? But if you're like, going out of your way to do things for people and they're just not reciprocating, then you also don't need that kind of energy in your life. People don't need that kind of energy. And it's not like a, a side on any of those people. It's just the reality that like we are all busy and it is okay to just cut people off because you are also busy and you need to prioritize yourself and the people who are going to make time for you. And that's not necessarily going to be like, as many people as you maybe thought it was, especially as we grow older, that's my circle has gotten really small and mm-hmm. tight. Um, where like in my twenties, it was like massive, and huge. And then I had to come to realize like, it is okay to just have the small tight knit group of people that you, that you make time for and spend and invest heavily. And in. I just no. don't want anybody to ever feel like they have to be chosen. Well, I literally wrote down like, as a woman, I've heard the terms like the pick me girl or the cool girl. Yeah. And so the girl who's like, I'm cool. Like, I'm different than other girls. I'm like, honey, you don't have to do this. You don't. You, you really don't have don't. to do this. And, you know, I've been able to like mentor high school girls and just be like, girl, focus on your own shit. Like you are doing such cool stuff. Like do not feel like you need a dude or anyone and to come in and validate that and be in you know giving that advice to other people and then you know you hear the advice you need sometime by giving advice to other people like fuck okay um (laughs) so it's but it, it, it it is like you you just i i have just learned so much from emotionally unpacking a lot of stuff and like and like knowing my traumas and my triggers and why like I know abandonment issues is a thing. My Calvin trauma is a thing. My daddy issues are a thing. Like being able to spot things because I've gotten emotionally intelligent has really helped. Um, but yeah, like really, it, and I, and I know now, like, I, I, I don't know how other, how another way to put this, but like knowing like when I do meet the person I'm going to be with, it's because because they choose to be with me, but not that because I'm chosen like that, like yeah. that little thin differential line of like I am being chosen because I they accept all of me not just because like I had to put on a facade to make myself be chosen right yeah just because you should like you're gonna show up and be yourself and it's not gonna matter and that's like the whole emotional growth that I think most boys miss is like you can just go out and like be yourself and it you're gonna be a okay and I also think and you were kind of just hinting on it. And I wrote it down earlier. Sometimes it really is just the timing and not mm-hmm. the person too. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes you get to that point. Like, I don't think it's a coincidence that when I met Jen, my girlfriend and the woman I'm going to spend the rest of my life with, mm-hmm. I do not think it was a coincidence that I met her at the time when I had finally gotten to a point in my own emotional journey 
where I was really ready to meet this person. Because if she had met me even a year earlier, mm -mm, nope, wouldn't have worked out. No chance in living hell. So I don't think that's a coincidence that I was ready to welcome that kind of relationship in and had realized that I was ready for that kind of relationship. And then I met her. I don't Mm -hmm. think that's a coincidence. So I think sometimes it's a lot of it is like your own type, your your own time. And as much as I love a good Disney movie and I still cry in most of them because I'm a sap for it. Don't even get me started on up in the first five minutes of up and how everybody. I'm a cancer. Mm. I'm such a cancer. I've got crabs all over it. Huge, big feelings. That's all like (laughs) big, big feelings. But like the one thing Disney did not a great job in terms of society was making us think that there's one person and you've got to have that fairy tale romance. And we all, all of us 90 babies grew up watching Aladdin and the Lion King and Little Mermaid. Although I think Little Mermaid's kind of canceled for a good reason. Oh my God. It's a bit rapey. But... Well, that and I'm just like, you're telling me that as long as this girl is attractive and has no voice, she makes for a good partner. Cool. Yeah. And then uh, he's going to fall in love with her. Yep. That's all he's got. She, all Tiny. she needs is like a good pair of legs and then good and, to go. And the hair that doesn't look wet ever. Anyway. Ever. Was... Also, it's a Hans Christian Anderson fairy tale. And the real one is like kind of dark. creepy dark. and dark. And she dies at the end and like whatever. Tangent. But like, like, I think we all grew up thinking like, okay, we're going to meet the one and these dudes have to be all chivalrous and the women have to like wait and get chased around and all of this crap, which is just not realistic or real life. And you gave me the finger. So I pause here to let the comment, the response happen. Sorry, I just thought about when you said like the chase and being chivalrous. And then I think about like how often like now it's just like, especially living in the south like that sort of like chivalry like uh, chivalry isn't dead like literally just it's common courtesy from like fucking hold the door if you see me coming um but also i want the door held open for me too i'm just saying literally did it for charlie the other night we didn't got ice cream open the door for him thank you anyway so cute (laughs) um but i think about that too of like as a person who is vastly independent as a survival technique as a response to trauma unpacking um now you know i think of chivalry of like in allowing people to do things for me but like also it was like that weird early 2000s time too of like women have to be very independent and we don't need a man and we don't need people and like i'm gonna take a breath <laughs> go to therapy we will figure this out. You can be a strong, independent woman and also like a person to hold the door open for you and buy you dinner once in a while or vice versa. Yeah. You can be any person who likes to be, you know, wined and dined and taken care of. And, and anyway, that just made me think of that too. Like, yeah. I want to personally sue Disney most days. Not really. I don't have the money, Disney. I don't mean it. But <laughs> for the emotional trauma. Um, but it, yeah, very much definitely all of like you were, what you were just saying, but then also like unpacking other disney <laughs> destroyed us all destroyed us all although they're trying to make good all these new movies i'm a huge moana, fan of. Uh, moana is so good so okay good. you can't tell me that when you went to the movie theater and saw coco that the whole theater wasn't bawling ugly motherfucking tears okay, at so the one, end i watched coco at my house because i was like i'm not emotionally prepared to cry in public right now 
I didn't know it was going to cry in public. Bald. Me neither. <laughs> Bald. I didn't Ugly know. So I watched. I was like, oh, I'll just turn this on. But a friend of mine had just lost her dad. And so oh, she was like, fuck. hey, like, I think you should watch Coco. Lost it. Fucking lost, lost it. it. I still cry watching it. I'm like, I can't. <sighs> Every time. Every, Every time. Every time. <laughs> Disney. Have you watched, uh, what is it? Soul? Something Soul? With soul. Jamie- just Soul. Just Soul. My, I was home and my, fam- my whole family and I watched it together. Chills, dress, Chills. so good. So life's too short. I'm just saying. Any hoodles. In um, in six months, I'll come back on the podcast and we'll just talk about Disney movies oh! and why we hate them, and then why, why we, we love, love them. them. Okay, I'm yeah, ready. it's part gonna be two. the best. Part two, Soul, yeah, part two. Bradley coming back. We're gonna talk about Disney. Disney. It's gonna be great. Um, I Soul, will... I loved Soul because you know that the setting was Jamaica Queens, and I was like, this is great. Obviously, that, it was amazing. Um, I was like, this is Queens. I see Queens. I mean, I don't live in Queens anymore, but I live in Queens with Charlie forever. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, I love seeing Queens everywhere. Everywhere I see Queens, it just makes me happy. So okay. happy. Anyway, anyway. Oh, we just had a little tangent, it but it was, was great. So- Coming soon to a team with three near you. Episode number two with Bradley. Um, two. Coming back. Speaking of number two, we're moving from act two to act three about how act to three. recover from nice guy syndrome. How to recover from the nice guy syndrome. Yeah. So then what do we, we kind of define the nice guy syndrome. Here's how I, here's how I define the nice guy syndrome. Such a teacher what, going to get his master's. Proceed. I am. I know. I'm so smart. <laughs> Push those here's, glasses up. Yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> Luckily I'm wearing these headphones and they've been keeping them on, but they do slide down the, my crooked nose. It's pretty funny. Anyways, here's how I define the nice guy syndrome. Most and not just guys, but people, you know, most people want to be nice and they want to be liked. I think that's, I think that's just natural. But when I look at specifically, when I talk about like nice guys, nice boys, they put everybody else's needs ahead of their own. Mm -hmm. So they never even think about what it is that they want or what they need out of anything. All they're doing is they're known as, oh my God, he would come over and like do this, or I would call him and he would be right there and just putting literally everybody else there. And then how that plays out, like in a relationship specifically is all of a sudden, you know, a person will just say a woman, for example, is dating, is dating a nice guy. It's like, Oh, he's so nice. Like does everything for me, does all these things. And then all of a sudden randomly he just explodes and gets super angry and they don't understand why he doesn't understand why. And then how that ends up playing out is usually cheating happens in some form, whether it's physical or emotional, the emotional cheating I've fallen, been guilty of before, mm-hmm. um, to be open and honest. And the reason is, is that these nice guys don't know, they have zero emotional intelligence. They mm-hmm. don't know how to express their emotions. They don't know what they want. They don't know what they need and they don't know how to prioritize themselves. And they make up for that by giving themselves to everybody else. Mm -hmm. And then they get validation from everybody saying, Oh, you're such a nice guy. You Mm -hmm. did all the, but they're really miserable individuals and their relationships all end awfully Mm -hmm. horribly because they usually, it usually gets to the point where they cheat in some form. And then the whole time they're, wondering why the hell this is happening well it's because you don't actually know how to prioritize yourself so every time you've been saying well I'm fiercely independent I know what I want I'm selective all these things I'm like no that's all great that is all phenomenal that shows that you just know yourself very well which most people do not I think about me recovering 
I'm going to call it from shrinking girl syndrome of or selfless girl syndrome. And for me, a lot of the time going through a lot of relationships and friendships of like, if I just keep showing up and putting everybody else first, no one will ever leave me. I have to be needed in order to have value. And so I'm sort of, I'm sort of equating those two together because mm. I definitely will blow up because it was like I would give and give and give. But the one time I said no, you would think I was the biggest bitch in the world to people right? because they didn't know how to deal with me saying no. And so like now as a person who knows herself very well, who has conversations and so you saying like they don't know themselves, it was definitely that like I didn't know who I was. So I was looking for answers about me from other people. And I was equating my value to what people saw about being valuable, about me being valuable. And so I was just thinking about that in, in terms of like this recovery thing of like working through your shit is some of the hardest work you'll ever do in your whole life. So hard. And also kudos to you and anybody else who goes to therapy. Cause like, it's so often that it's just kind of smirked at. And a good therapist is sometimes hard to find too, but so necessary. Like, just like, it's just different than like talking to your friend. Like, Mm -hmm. it's just, it's just different. Hopefully everybody has a friend that they can talk to, but like, best thing I ever did for myself was start going to therapy. I just said said it with Katie. Shout out to Katie. We had, we had our first session. Um, Again, we're unpacking my dad's betrayal this week. Can't fucking wait. Stay tuned. Um, But yeah, no, I, 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 and I know for me, like, I should have been in therapy this whole time. Like there, I, I am really lucky in the fact that like I have a lot of close friends who would, who do allow me to, to vent. But I also, because I'm a person who has depended on herself for so long, I don't let people in to help me. Mm. So that's why I wanted a therapist. Like I, I'm like, I know I have friends that I could quote dump on. And I love when my friends come to me for advice and, and all that stuff. But like as a person who is, a recovering perfectionist with abandonment issues. I'm like, I, I can't get there with my friends sometimes. And it's not that they don't let me, it's just, I'm trying to work through. And so for me, for me getting a therapist, that's what that was. It gave me that sort of like way to, and I think it's also with me, like, I feel like everyone expects me to always have it together. And it's just like a perfectionist syndrome I'm recovering from. Um, and so having friends who are like, you are human. You know this, right? I'm like, no, <laughs> fucking yeah. not. I am not superior. Absolutely not. What is wrong with what you? talking about? I'm not human. I'm perfect. <laughs> um, there's not a damn thing wrong with me. Um, also, there isn't, by the way, though. Right. That is also true. Not true. That is also very true. No, Listen, you. there's not a damn thing wrong with you. I don't like that's, mayonnaise. It's a that's big okay. Point. I hate onions. Like, so? Who cares? Yeah. I'm trying to like find things. <laughs> I'm like, no way, I'm not perfect. Um, but it's definitely it's been that too of just like trying to get rid of expectations. Mm. And I feel like that's a big thing for women is like we need to stop feeling like we owe people every single part of us. We owe ourselves something we have to feel fit into expectations in certain parameters. Um, and so for me, I'm just been like, I've been trying to allow myself to just feel freedom. And what yes. does that look like for me? And like, that's just me lowering my shoulders, feeling less tense, breathing, like not feeling like I have to look 
a certain way all the time and like deciding when I do want to dress up like like I'm going to an Easter thing today and it's cloudy I'm like I think I'm still gonna like wear a really cute outfit but that's because I want to wear yeah you want to wear it heck yeah if you wanted to wear sweatpants and damn Tiva sandals which is mostly what I want to wear all the time heck yeah heck yeah Jen hates my Tivas but she knows that I love them so I've been so excited to bust them out finally (laughs) Uh, shout out to Jen Um... literally biggest (laughs) shout out to Jen my goodness Um, no you said this really thought-provoking thing and this Mm -hmm. is something that I still sometimes struggle with but I've gotten way better especially when like decision making and even thinking about you can apply this to when you think about relationships romantic Mm -hmm. especially For me, like, I see people, and this happened to me, like, kind of struggle with, oh, like, is this right for me? Is it not? And every time I'm like, did you ever see Ted Lasso? Have you seen the show Ted Lasso? No, that's my next binge. (gasps) Yes, you need to watch it and do it with Charlie or do it with me. Do it with both of us, honestly. But there's this phenomenal scene in season two where one of the characters, the owner of the club, she's, like, really excited to like go on a double date with uh, with the new guy she, she's seen and two of her friends who are also two of the main characters on the show. Um, and, you know, she, at the end, she's like, she's asking like, so what did you think? And I was like, yeah, like, she, he's fine. Like, it's fine. Like, he's fine. Like, what do you think of him though? He's like, yeah, you know, like I like him. And the guy, he's so English. He just stops and is like, fuck that, you know, in an English accent. I can't do this. He's like, you should be with somebody who makes you feel like you're on fire and everybody else isn't worth your time. I misquoting it, but it was just one of those scenes where I'm like, yes, because this is like what people struggle with. If it's not hell, yes, it should mm. be no. Mm. and that's what I've like tried to do in everything I do now is like if I'm ever waffling on and there are like certain exceptions right like my inner circle like if somebody asked me to do something I don't really want to do it but they're my inner circle right (laughs) priorities fine you know but like especially when it comes to relationships if you're dating somebody and you don't absolutely like be like yes hell yes about that person you need to say no like because any waffling like you're going to be miserable. They're going to be miserable. All of it is just, is just going to be miserable. So I love this idea of everything should, when you are thinking about your life, if it's not a hell yes, then it should be a no, because that's how excited you should be about the people that are in your life, the Mm -hmm. people you're dating, the things you're doing, all, all of those things. That makes me think about Jada Pinkett Smith, which. Oh, yes. Yes. Love her. her. I love her table talk. But, and I watch it religiously. I binge it every like a couple of months. I got to let it build up and just cry all day, which I might do, I might do today. Therapy. Um, but she made a comment once about love and it has changed my perspective of falling in love so mm. deeply. And you made me think of it when you said like fire on fire, like you should yeah. like you're on fire. She said that like falling in love should feel like the color blue. She goes, everyone expects love to be like red and fiery and passion. And she goes, being in love, she feel like falling asleep, like just something comfortable you could do all the time. Mm. And I was like, bitch, do I have feelings? Like <laughs> as a as a Pisces, but also like I'm the worst Pisces ever. I'm also, for those who need to know, I'm a Taurus rising and I'm a, a Sag moon. So we have a lot of chaos, but also like very strict structures and yeah, controlled chaos. Yeah. Con- controlled chaos. Controlled chaos. Um, yeah. And so I'm like, I'm very analytical about my feelings. Anyway, um, 
but that that just put it into 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 thought for me because it's just like I, I think as a person who has never I have loved people I've never been in love with anyone mm. and people be like wait what I was like I, I'm like I have love have loved in my heart for people I'm like but I've never let myself fall in love with anyone because it's trauma but now that I'm in a place where I'm open to the idea of potentially falling in love if the person comes along a lot of parameters got to go into it trauma working through it in therapy but hearing that was so validating because like as a person who has very passionate friendships who has a very exciting life who's always on the go like in the moment that I get to be with like certain friends or in in the times that I've gone on dates when it's just like easy and clicks and I'm just like this is what it should feel like like yeah and and I haven't had that romantically with someone but like again as a person who's been professionally single for most of her life being able to look at moments now of like going back into past we'll call them relationships with people whatever past relationships with the people I've been in relationships with and just being like none of them felt like that Mm. like it felt what did they feel like square peg round hole yeah like trying to make it work fear-based um it felt like one your of my fear or their fear? Me. Mm. But then also guilt. Like I think of one partner I had who I know was way more into me than I was into them, um, but didn't want to disappoint them. So I dated them. Yeah. And and and, and shrunk myself to fit what they wanted it to be. Um, so yeah, I that just made me think of all of that of just like, holy shit. <laughs> We are we are constantly growing and evolving, and this is just it never it never fucking ends. It never which is does. Good, but which do is you, good. But we don't want it to. Really. No, like, which is good. It, it just <laughs> it's just interesting. Like you sit and have a conversation, you're like, oh shit! Like didn't 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 know half the shit that we talked about today was still just right there, just like waiting for like an ant hill. Like you don't see it, and then you step on it, and then you know it's there. So and all of a sudden you've got all these ants crawling up your legs. Or a ground yeah. hive. You ever been you I've been swarmed before by a ground hive. It doesn't matter. Oh, no. Everything was fine. But I think about oh, that that's the thing about therapy of like you're gonna step in it and you're gonna have to have the aftermath. But you're gonna you're absolutely you're gonna have to. But like I wish, especially for you know, even some of the boys I coach, you know, what I want for them is like to go to therapy not mm-hmm. just not because I think they're they're messed up or in any way we've all got our own issues we're dealing with yeah. you know a hundred percent but like you know I think about that like are they as a coach and as somebody who wants to be an educator right like I I like the topic of social studies. I love soccer, right? Charlie, and we could all talk about soccer forever. And podcast episode number three, that's when Charlie <laughs> will come on and we'll just talk about it. But like, I think that sometimes as educators, we forget. And that's why I, I think I texted this to you earlier too, is that are we like preparing these young adults emotionally for what life is is going to throw at them Mm -hmm. and are they are they going to be put in an opportunity where they can grow emotionally by the time they are 18 whether they're going off to school 
you know, to study university, going into the world, whatever they're going to be, are they going to be in a place ready emotionally? Or are we just literally preparing them to take these tests? They're studying the subject in school that they probably most of them don't have any interest in anyway. Right. And I think that's made sometimes a failure in education is oh. how can you use that tool, right, to help these young individuals develop their own sense of character and who mm-hmm. they are and what they want to do and give them the space to be like, even if that is, I do not know, that is okay. Yeah. As long as you are saying to yourself and to other people, look, I don't know. If the answer is, I don't know what I want to do. I don't know who I want to be. That's also an okay answer. You don't need to have it figured out. I didn't figure it out until I was 30. Some people figure it out later. Like, I think my father figured it out when he was like 65, maybe. Right. And I, and I think that's okay. What I don't think is okay is not being, not having the EQ to say, to be honest with yourself and feeling like you need to have all this. There's all this external pressure of, okay, I need to get be in a relationship by 25 because then we're going to get married by 27 and then going to have a house and kids by 30. And yeah, all of that. Yeah, exactly. All of that sounds awful to me as well. But if that's what you want, that's great. That's but also okay. But don't do that just because you think you have to do that. That's what I'm trying to say. Well, I think it's also too like letting go of expectations. Yeah, that's what you said like, earlier. That's a I was yeah. unpacking this with my friend Mel, who's also been on the show, who's a therapist, because we've been watching, we've been texting while I've been watching Ultimatum. Um, I need you to watch it so we can talk about it. I need to watch it, seriously. It, unhinged charlie's watching it too so we can talk about it together um but <laughs> we were talking about these expectations of like these people on the show i think there's one person on the show who's 30 everybody else is under the age of 30 so it was, i think the youngest was like 23 24 and the oldest is 30 and a lot of these girls being like i want to get married and do all these things and i want to be a wife and mel and i were like but what is what is that going to do for you what is the difference between and so mel not to tell all her business but like mel has been with her boyfriend for many years she goes on paper like i function as his wife we are not married and that does not change our dedication to each other she's she's like so that there she's like i just want to know like what does being a wife mean to you mm-hmm. and i'm and I, now i'm asking myself of like what does it mean to be someone's partner and why is it something like we are like thrust upon because I, I definitely feel like growing up in the northeast and not my family but just like how traditional connecticut is it's like you go to school, you meet someone, you get married, you have, you buy a house, you have a baby. And then the cycle repeats. And so that's one of the reasons why I moved is like, I'm not fitting into this cycle. Like I am 26 and single and I'm queer and haven't come out yet at the time. And I have all these friends who are making decisions based off of expectations and fear. And I'm like, I never want to do that. And so I just like, I'm just going to pick up my whole life and fuck shit up. And I'm glad I did. It was one of the best things I've ever done, but that was my way of letting go of expectations and giving myself the freedom to do so. Like I live 1800 miles away from my family now. Like I was such a perfectionist. Like felt like I had to be per- air quotes, perfect and get good. Like when my mom died, you would never know my mom died. If we weren't friends, I went to school every day. The only day I missed for school was her funeral. And then the day after, cause my dad made me stay home. Still got straight A's had a eating disorder, but was functioning with it. I know. Thank you. Um, and just like had all like was just like I have to be perfect and I have to get good grades and I have to be a good athlete and like all of these societal expectations almost killed me and so I think about that too like what are we still thrusting upon 
children with these expectations of like you need to find a partner get married i'm like but what does that do for us like is and is that out of fear like my grandma rest her soul when i when i moved out she was i was living with her for i lived with her for six years and i was moving out to live with friends in an apartment it was a whole thing and she's like who's gonna take care of you i go who do you think take care of me now like and then I moved here. She's like, What's, what if something happens? I go, grandma, I'm really okay. But like that sort of like, because I was single, she was just so nervous for my, for me and my safety. And I think about that still now, like, what are we, are we teaching our children that we don't trust them in their decision-making process? Mm, because we, we are, don't, by the way, we, are, yeah, we don't, because yep, we are yep, thrusting we all of our wants onto them out of fear. Yeah. And also people innately it's not anybody's fault have this desire to not to see kids not make their same mistakes Mm. which is the wrong attitude towards Mm -hmm. it obviously Mm -hmm. what you need is to give them a safe space to make mistakes and fall over and over again but the difference when we talk about relationships is like if you make a mistake in a relationship you hurt somebody in that process which is which is like the slight difference which is why I want to see you know people who want to be in a relationship you know go find that and grow and make mistakes within that relationship because that's the only way you're going to find out who you are and what you really want in a partner mm-hmm. but is being careful to make sure that you are being super sensitive of that your actions have a direct consequence on another person And so if you just go around like just emotionally manipulating people left and right, which is what nice guys do, then you're going to be an asshole. Yeah. Don't be an asshole. (laughs) Just don't, don't be an asshole. But I say that as somebody who was an asshole and now I'm not, and I know how to not be because I was. So I guess I'm maybe not the best person to tell people not to be an asshole. Cause if I hadn't been an asshole, I wouldn't have gotten to this point where I was like, I don't, I don't want to be an asshole anymore. I'm not going to do this. I'm going to put myself in therapy and blah, 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 all that, all that noise. And then, woo, but I'm far from, far from perfect. But I think there's just a, the right way to make mistakes within mm-hmm. relationships. Mm-hmm. And I think boys make do it the wrong way frequently. I- as you know, at the end of every episode, I ask my guests a final sort of palate cleanser question. Um, and that question is, what is the best advice you were ever given? Or what's a piece of advice you would give your younger self? Oh, best advice I was ever given. This is an easy one. Uh, don't be afraid to fail. Mm-hmm. And fail often. And often. And fail often. Fall on your face hard and as many times as you can, especially when you're younger. And that was the one thing, oh, another great Disney movie, Meet the Robinsons, most underrated Disney movie of all time. Please okay. tell me you've seen it. I have. Yeah, I have. so good. And that was like the lesson from that movie. But so, one of my first bosses uh, said that to me and it, that immediately clicked. And I think we live in such a culture of success where you have to be good. And even like as an educator, I'm starting to think about this, like, you know, the pressure of these kids to get great grades mm-hmm. and test really well and go to these phenomenal schools where I'm more of a fan of, we need to provide the environment where they can fall hard on their face in a way that's safe and they can pick themselves back up again and -hmm. do it again and do it again, because that is the only way that somebody is actually going to grow. There are learners who can be lectured and told 
things and they're going to internalize that. But most people, especially boys, need the freedom to make their own mistakes. And if they're not given that, then they're never going to grow up. Yeah. That's it. This week's episode of the Tea with Brie. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at the Tea with Brie. Send me an email at the Tea with Brie at gmail.com and visit the website, the Tea with Brie podcast.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. A special thanks to Mama Duke for our theme music. And I'll talk to y'all next week. Bye.